it's really interesting that Jonathan Nolan is like got this really strict strict American accent, but yeah. he's Christopher Nolan's brother. Yeah. yeah. It's really, really interesting. Because like when I saw the interview with him after Westworld, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, right? Yeah, he's a pretty good actor. I like his Nolan accent too. English. It's, it's really oh, cool I know. Too. And that's why I was like, huh? But he that's him. I just Googled it because I wanted he's to make sure. He's fucking huge too. Yeah, he's a big man. Dude. In episode three, when he's repelling, I'm like, oh goodness. You're <laughs> a large fellow. But Lawrence is getting the vapors. I was getting a little vapory. <laughs> I don't I wonder about that stuff. It's uh, it's it's certainly an intriguing question. How much of how much of a sociopath is really within you, and how hard would it be to give yourself over to that? Sure. Yeah. Well, it's the case of nature versus nurture. I guess so. Yeah. And how much you're inherently um, can like predispositioned to behave a certain way, but then what influences might spur you onto them? Hey, welcome to the suit. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing intro. Oh, no problem. <laughs> Welcome to a uh, robotic bowl of dude soup. You take one sip and you question your place in the world. <laughs> or, you know, just Westworld chat. Welcome back to Westworld talk. Talking Westies. What's the What's the stupid post show about Westworld? Surely there is one by now. I don't think there is. Thank God. There's no Talking Dead equivalent. No. Talk, oh, I, yeah, like uh, I think Geek and Sundry would have dogpiled on that already. I'm really glad that they have. Yeah, like go west. Go like, West, you know, young the, man. Yeah, go yeah. West, young. Oh yeah, everyone loves that. People. Go West on the internet. <sighs> I was in a, uh, I was in, it was in second grade. I was in a musical called How the West Was Fun. Oh, that <laughs> sounds like fun. I yeah, it was one of the leads. Really? Clearly born to be a star. What was it, what was your character's name? Fivel. I don't fucking remember. Fivel. <laughs> no, sadly no. Wyatt Burp. It was. <laughs> that's really good. Shit. No, there was a lot of singing and dancing. Uh, you? There was a yeah. There was a go west, young man. Go west. <laughs> no, I. That's what the living is best. Uh, go something, west. Something I can't attest. Go west. Go west. Yeah. No, I'm, lyrics oh, you are all the song. Down. Good for you. I had to memorize it, man. Good for you. I take I take performances very seriously. To that effect, uh, this this podcast is sponsored by two fine sponsors, Na- Casper and NatureBox. Uh, right now, NatureBox is offering Dude Soup fans fifty percent off your first order when you go to NatureBoxClub.com/slash/DudeSoup, and you can get fifty dollars towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com. Slash dude soup. Learn more about that later. Um, just so everybody knows, we got some nice Battlefield One footage in the background. Man, Battlefield One's cool. Bruce, you you vouch for it, huh? Pretty well, heavily. I, I, I played. This is all my footage. But can um, we trust no. you? Because you, man, you wanted to. You were really hype on Battlefront. And we all know that that was a terrible shitstorm, right? Um, it, it was kind of. A, it was a shitstorm. Just the, the worst video game. The game worked. No, it just didn't feel like a full game. So maybe I don't know if this game feels a little more full than. than it's got a campaign. Than Battlefront does, and the and the I played like ten minutes of the campaign, and it was cool. But I'm down for the campaign. Multiplayer is, is where I'm at. Weaponized I just shot taco. that man in the back. Fuck, by that's the way. a good name. Um, yeah, no, it's. Uh, I played. I think I played about four hours of it now. Uh, and I really, really enjoy it. I, you are traditionally a big battlefield. I'm a fan. traditionally a big battle. I've been playing Battlefield since Battlefield, battlefield 1942. I played all of the battlefields since then, uh, Hardline, all the all of them. So I'm a big Battlefield fan. I like I like the game, but this one feels better than Battlefront did. Battlefront didn't feel like a battlefield game. It was it was a little easier and it felt a little more. Uh, I think kind of like dumbed down. Mm. This one's not that. This one requires a lot of thought. Well, I loved Battlefront, Bruce. Uh, no, Battlefront was fun. <laughs> I really loved Battlefront. I was a big fan of it. I did enjoy oh, Battlefront because it was easy. And just covering your bases, Bruce. You're another <laughs> corrupt gaming journalist. No, no. I, I really like it is. I bought that game. I, 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 and I, th- I thought it was totally worth what I paid for. But regardless, I, I enjoyed it. I feel like this is uh, Battlefield 1 is a, a refreshing take on basically war, war shooters. Because like we played Infinite Warfare 
for like oh 20 minutes gosh. on Friday and it was a joke. Like it was a total joke. So what was so, so bad about it? That it was just broken? It's no, just, it, the whole thing's a joke now. It's like, so it's absurd. Like, you know exactly what it's going to be. Yeah, there's like robot men like running on the walls and shooting laser beams and there's party favors going off and airstrikes <laughs> and orbital cannons shooting and some dude like sh- pounds his fist together to activate power fist and then he's like <laughs> punching electric bolts out and just, it's, it's, it's not this, yeah. and even this is still absurd because it's got giant fuck-off blimps that shoot bombs everywhere. I guess. I suppose my my perception is, like, Call of Duty is, like, the over-the-top, yeah, like... it is. It is a sensational yeah. guilty pleasure that it, it it's kind of, like, is, yeah. perfected the frantic shooter mm. formula. This oh, is nice. the realistic shooter, but then this also seems kind of over-the-top in that yeah. you've got submarines and horses and all that I think Verdun is, is the realistic thing. Man. And if you want realism, sure, and, and a lot of people do, so it's not like I'm calling the internet's bluff, because they do that a lot, too, but it, I, I, think, I think the takeaway should be, like, we don't... It's okay to like one or the other. Like, one is not better, fundamentally. No, and no. Furthermore, it's fantastic that for the people who want it, they can find whatever they want. Yeah. You can get something realistic, like Red Orchestra. You can get something kind of in the middle, like Battlefield 1. Or you get fucking Call of Duty with Robots. robot men linking together and Shooting forming a superbot <laughs> stomping around the map. God, I hope that well, Lawrence isn't joking. Like there, there, there are so many, so many things that we immediately like. Call of Duty is so nice now because it's so familiar, and there are so many tropes. Mm. So as soon as you get into that game and you get all sorts of sweet guitar riffs and things popping up on the screen, <laughs> and robot men jumping around and stuff like that, you're just like, "Yep, I'm back." Like yeah. it feels good to be back. So, and this is a totally different experience. Like you're. You even in Battlefield Four and Three and Two, like you're you're not in traditional World War II tanks. You're not in traditional modern tanks. You're in these fucking giant. Like you'll you'll see in a second, but you're in these weird. Basically, they're ships. They're called land ships, <laughs> and you can't move them. You can't move the turret. You, when you fire, it's way off. It's like it's it's it is a, a lot like you'd think World War One would be, um, and that's why I like it because it's different. <laughs> so unless unless somebody in the comments write this, or maybe they already have. This podcast is not sponsored by no. Battlefield 1. Not at all. No, are you um, kidding me? That's I'm, I'm going to buy the shit out of this game. Uh, uh, I don't know if we can lift the skirt on that. We are we are doing a Battlefield 1 thing, uh, but, no, more, but more details about that. Bruce, Bruce, I've known Bruce has always loved Battlefield. Oh, uh, yeah. Always. Like, that's just that's the just game that I associate. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like that and, like, CSGO, I think of, like, yeah, as... Yeah, I played CSGO, but I'm not nearly as... I wasn't good at that. Battlefield, I'm, I'm all right at. So. Um, did you ride in a Zeppelin? I did yesterday. I didn't, I didn't do it in this gameplay. Um, is it just like painfully slow and whatever? <laughs> uh, no, it's it's fucking awesome. Like uh, there are these, you get these giant turrets and like you're firing huge shells that are blowing up, you know, swaths of, that's another thing I was telling Lawrence is like every, basically everything is destructible. So like apart from the really important structures on a map, you can shoot out walls and blow. And like I was standing behind a wall and then it blew up in front of me, and I was I was just standing there exposed with a tank staring at me. I was like, oh, great. And then I, you know, obviously died. But um, there's even more destruction than there was in Battlefield 4. Which is, is there a little awesome. meter, like, tallying how much priceless artwork you've destroyed? <laughs> there definitely should be, because you're blowing up, like, castles yeah. <laughs> uh, and old cathedrals and things like that. So wow. It's really interesting, because for the people who don't like Battlefield, and I, I totally get it, but they basically talk about how they don't want to run across a map for five minutes just to get killed. Yeah. And that's that's cool. It does seem like there's a bit of exchange there because COD, like ridiculous shit's happening all the time. Therefore, nothing's really all that ridiculous. COD is just a series of running down hallways and shooting people, which is, if that's all you want to do, great. But Battlefield 1 has those kind of moments where you're hunkered up in a building. You've been there with your squad for like five minutes. You're locking down this point. 
and then a tank rolls in and just levels the building you're in, yep. and then you have to scatter, and it, it creates more of a, an extended narrative of gameplay, which is the thing that I kind of latch onto. Yeah. yeah, the moment to moment can be frustrating, but once you get into the vibe of it, you have a really good match. You can have this like war story that unfolds over 20 minutes yep. of you and your bros kind of running through trenches and getting in planes and taking over points. It's, that, uh, so. James, James has always said, and not to belabor this Battlefield 1 point, but James has always said that the, the trailers for Battlefield mm. are almost exactly, like they're very, very similar to the gameplay, mm. more so than any other video game. Because when you see a plane fly over and a tank go by and a guy explode and all that other stuff, that all happens in the game. That happens over and over and over. And like you said, there are there are extended stories that you have where you see something happen over here and you see something happen over there. Like, holy shit, like all this crazy shit is happening. Uh, and it's it's very much like the trailer. Uh, horse in it? Horse in it. Look yeah. at the head. This is my oh, favorite part. Oh, I can never no. figure out the horse all that well. Horses the, are not easy. So the horses can get injured and They can get injured. Yeah, you can kill a horse. It's they, really uh, hard, though. They don't, they don't show them die. They just fall They over. show the health go down. No, you fall off. And then, like, uh, they oh. don't really show them die. So, like, I don't know when they go away. Yeah. I haven't seen a horse explode yet. I would like to see a horse explode. But I don't think they do that on purpose so that you're not, like, killing animals, you know? Yeah. So yeah, we're talking about Red Dead, right? Yeah, let's talk about Red Dead. Uh, enough with the game that's about to come out. Let's talk about a game that hasn't even been announced yet. <laughs> so Rockstar has been uh, been teasing those little teases. Let me uh, let me throw this up on the monitor here. I'm sure that our audience has seen this stuff already, but just for the sake of context, I'll just throw it up. So oh, yeah. there are two tweets uh, so far. Number one was was this old girl right here, which pretty much everybody right away says, "Oh no, Red Dead." Yep. And then this morning, followed up with this thing, which Ooh. we can only presume is the silhouette of the cast. Um, and, you know, uh, oh, jokes about they're doing ping pong club again. And, oh, it's Billy <laughs> 2. Oh, it's State of Emergency 2. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. Yeah, we get it. You looked up the Wikipedia page. <laughs> I, know. Um, I, don't know, I, I, I don't know if we can necessarily tip that particular hat, but Red Dead 2 is sort of what we've heard around. Yeah. Not not necessarily us specifically, but there was that Reddit thing a while ago where somebody related to some some like old radio personalities that had since moved on to Rockstar went to visit them, and he oh, yeah. he like he hinted that RDR two was a thing coming. It's, it's a whole complicated thing. You can check out our notes story if you want to know that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and now there's this, so it's pretty much locked in. I think. Also contextually, uh, man, Red Dead was just a phenomenon. You before 2010, if you told somebody that the biggest game would not only launch in summer but be an open-world Western, yeah. people would say, no fucking way. Uh, because that just wasn't the environment at the time. And then Rockstar found a way to change everybody's minds. They yep. tend to do that. Yeah, they really do. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, so the, pro- the problem is the, the like pace of releases with Rockstar has slowed way down. They had one a year for a while there uh, with like DLC for GTA 4 and then LA Noir and uh, Max Payne 3. And then GTA 5 come, came out. And unle- unless you count the expansions for GTA Online, been relatively radio silent ever since 2012, 13? That's true. And they probably, they probably got, you know, a thousand people employed across the world. Yeah. And so I wonder what they're working on. So the way I read into that is, and this could be inaccurate, but I have a feeling that, that Red Dead 2 has been in production for f- four years now. But a lot of the rest of the company probably went into, like, panic mode after GTA Online came out. Because I bet it was way more popular than I expected it to be. Yeah. I kind of read into it a similar situation that happened with Blizzard and World of Warcraft. The entire company switched over to support World of Warcraft for about two years to get it into a place where it needed to be with like global support, localization, 24-hour, all that stuff. Once they got it there, then other releases started picking up. Yep. And you had expansions coming out regularly, Heroes of the Storm, and now Overwatch. Uh, so I'm expecting that from Rockstar. Now that GTA Online is up, humming, and making money, and they have a pipeline of rollout for content, now suddenly they can start to, okay, what's going on with these other projects? 
hopefully we'll get Red Dead 2. Based on them announcing this now, I'm going to guess summer 2017. I think that's kind of what people are assuming. It's going to be about a year year from now. It's funny, when I was, people tweeted me with, uh, I think it was back on Inside Gaming, we reported on Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, and like rumors of that, which so it's been rumored now for two years, very long time, yeah, two and a half years. Well, I really like if if they announce it, if they hard announce it within the next like week, and then it's coming out summer 2017. I really like that new timeline. Bethesda yeah. is employing that sort of announcement release timeline where they're like, well, we'll give it maybe six months. Oh yeah, between yeah. announcement and release, like and the in, fallout. Yeah, we're not yeah. gonna like, hang on to a two year hype train. Yeah, uh, that then fizzles out at the end. Like I, I really really appreciate and like that cycle. Yeah, no, me too. And I, I was just going to say a cautionary tale to our audience. If they say summer 2017, they're rock star. They'll probably delay it a little bit. They usually do. They did yeah. with with GTA. They can. They delayed it like three or four months. So, um, And it's like one of those things that, hey, you know what? They're rock star. Uh, no, no big deal. Yeah. No big deal. Also, gosh, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play it. I want to play it. I'm just curious. It, so there was a time when I, I needed a game like that because there wasn't a game like it to play yet. Yeah. But there are so many open world 3D action games. But not westerns. No, absolutely not. Yeah. But it's it's weird now to, to now be in a place where I want the best of everything, not just a thing of everything. <laughs> uh, so it's the like, best. oh god, I can't wait for Red Dead 2 to come out. <laughs> Meanwhile, I haven't even really put a dent in Witcher 3. Dragon Age Inquisition, I, I barely touched. I, Mafia I, 3 just came out, and I'm enjoying that. I think I'm going to play so. the Dragon Age games. I think really? I, might, I think I might make that my thing. That's a time investment. It makes me really sad. That's a major but I might time investment. Ah. I, you, I feel like, probably, well, I, mean, I mean, you do too, Bruce, but I think you, looking for GTA maps every week, really, really know the life expectancy and the longevity of GTA 5. Like, you more than anybody, maybe. Oh, he looks for all the maps. Yeah, you're every, I, I every week, did. yeah, you're like, you're looking at those maps, and you're... Those are all community-made, too, so... Yeah. So, like, do you think that there's a possibility they could make a Red Dead sequel that has the lifespan oh. of, like, a GTA 5? Well, uh, the way I... The way I would, so, I it's tempting it. to think about it in terms of it's a it's like a natural good for a developer to want their game to stay active, but yeah. these days that only matters if people are spending money. Um, that's the only reason you want your service to have a tail. And you know, there's there's actually another headline that I can get to in a second that reinforces Ooh. that. But it just just in relation to how many people are buying DLC these days, which is actually a lot. Um, the thing is, I, if I were Rockstar, I would be concerned that if I launched Red Dead with the same model as GTA Five, like that there's a Red Dead Online that will have microtrans and community-generated content that will keep people involved, and also first-party content to get like shoot stimulus into the... I'd be worried that I'd just be sloshing the same player base back and forth between two games. Oh, that's a good point. So instead of sure. supporting one product with the overhead involved and making money off that, I'm splitting that revenue between two products that now double the overhead of maintenance. So I have to pay for all the servers and support for Red Dead 2 or Red Dead Resurrection, whatever the hell it's going to be called, uh, in addition to GTA Online. And now I have to, I have to both manage and message two player bases... And I'm not significantly making that much more money. So I think the question Rockstar would have to ask, and I'm sure they've done the research on, is how many players out there would play and spend money on Red Dead Online that aren't currently playing and spending money on GTA Online? I was going to say, that's presupposing that their whole player base on GTA is still there. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm guessing that they probably, you know, they probably drop, they probably lose uh, 100,000, 200,000 people a month or whatever, and they kind of like drop off the service just because you get tired of another, or you play another game or whatever. So I'm guessing that they want to revive those people and bring them back into another Rockstar franchise like Red Dead. I don't know if it'll be online. That's certainly valid. Um, I, I mean, like, it is interesting. We, we talk about how, like, single-player versus multiplayer 
like the single player campaign only video games are going to kind of get phased out. There are a few of them here and there. They're kind of coming back, though. But yeah, like Titanfall like, 2 a weird, had to bring weird, weird back its campaign. Well, that, but that's, yeah, that's Battlefield 1 has a campaign, too. I was going to say, but those, no, uh, sorry, single player only. Yeah. Oh, so yeah, not yeah, yeah. just, so like I'm talking about like Wolfenstein. Yeah. Um, Mafia 3? Or Mafia 3, yeah, that's another mm-hmm. good example. Um, those games typically are kind of looked down upon, but you're right, there's sort of a yeah. resurgence. So I wonder if Rockstar will just keep the single player only. I think that's a really interesting point. I mean, even Red Dead Redemption had multiplayer, free roam and stuff. And yeah, it, it did. Was, yeah. It was pretty good. It, it was, was kind of uh, atomic to what GTA Online became. Um, I think I think what we're seeing with AAA games now is they're sort of understanding that mobile games had a life cycle for a reason. Is If you were a Gree or whatever, uh, a Zynga, you would put out your product, and you would know right away it's not going to last forever. That's just kind of a given. But you kind of have a magic window to suck money out of people, and you want to extend that window as much as possible. But going in, you have a game plan to, like, this is when this game is going to enter maintenance mode, and this is when we're going to sunset. And it's all about how much money people are spending versus how much it costs to maintain. Yeah. Uh, I think in that respect, you're right. And maybe that's what informed the release timing of Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, more than just the game is done, so get it out the door. Because that's kind of the single-player methodology of we're going we're gonna to work on this game as long as we have time and money. And once we run out of one of those things, we have to ship. And we'll, we'll try to clean it up as much as we can. But And if you're Rockstar or Blizzard, you have the luxury of just iterating forever to make more or less the perfect game. Yeah. Uh, but what could happen is, now that, now that Rockstar is kind of more service-oriented and more game developers are becoming more service-oriented, it may be the sort of thing where they run all the analytics, they have all their, their charts, and they say, okay, once the graph hits this point, we launch our next product. Because that's when we need the, the boost back up in revenue. And it's all about keeping above a certain baseline. Um, so that would be an interesting development model. I don't think you can do it that way. Uh, I'm, just sort of, I'm just sort of speaking out loud. Because games kind of require planned out phases of development. You can't just sort of move on the fly and then ship a product. Well, you but know. I mean, like, it's an interesting point that you bring up because it's a lot like a YouTube channel. It's the way we run our YouTube channel where, like, we start to see kind of a down. Oh yeah. And we're like, oh, we got to do something new, uh, or like, or we got to like try, or even try something uh, well established and sort of bring the graph back up. Um, that might be what they're doing now, where like, like you said, they can iterate on it forever, where they can make a game and have it done maybe within three years and be like, well, this is shippable, but we still don't see a downturn in GTA Online revenue. So once we see that downturn in the revenue, then okay, all right, we got to get it out. Yeah. And like that, and that may have been something where like a bunch of people, basically a bunch of their accountants. We're looking at like, well, our revenue is kind of going down from GTA. And they're like, okay, well, Red Dead Summer 2017. Like that, that, that's what we'll do. So I don't know. I could see if you if you gave, yeah, with a game like that, uh, an open world type game where more or less you can bolt on content. So you've got your world, you've got all your geometry, you have all your like main story quests and stuff. And if you're at a, a kind of shippable point, but it's like, well, there's some, there's some bugs we could clean up. There's some side quests we could put in if we had the time somebody from Rockstar, and this would be pretty cool if this ever happened, and this is pure speculation, but if they said, okay, here are all of our nice-to-haves, and somebody was like, well, we're pulling in enough money off of GTA Online, go ahead and do it. Yeah, and yeah. if that changes, I'll let you know. And then once it does change, it's like, okay, we're looking at about a year from now we want to launch. So it's time to, it's time to draw the line on content, start doing your polish passes, and then be ready to ship in nine months, knowing that 12 months is probably when retail's going to hit. Yeah. So yeah, that would be a pretty interesting model, and I think it would be a pretty interesting sea change for the way games are made and planned. I think players would probably react really negatively if they heard that, because I think it would be... The one thing that always amuses me is that hardcore players never seem to acknowledge how much money is the deciding factor in everything. Yeah. Um, they seem to talk about it as though it's just a 
it's just a quality issue or being constructive to the craft of games as a whole. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's it's mostly just money. Well, like Red Dead came out 2011 or 2012? I think it was 2012. Let me, I just looked it up because uh, I was looking at... Was it 2012? It may have been 2011. I thought it was... It, it, was, it was 2011, I'm it, pretty sure. Because I, I remember I finished it in 2012 or 2013, which was way after the fact. Like, I have 2010. To, there 2010. we go, yeah. yeah. I, I knew it was old. I have to imagine that, like, coming off the success of that and then sort of mastering their deployment strategy with GTA content, they have to they have to know what the, like, yeah. next at least two, two years... And this is just me completely you know, my own personal assumptions on this, but, like, the next two years of, like, okay, here's our rollout plan for Red Dead. Oh, absolutely. If we move into online, yeah. this is what we're doing. They're a billion-dollar business. Yeah, they're they're just, they're so ahead of the curve, like, yeah. in terms of, yeah. like, next we get the L.A. Noire to, you know. Oh, like, yeah, finally. Get all the dreams come oh, true. No. <laughs> Bondi has is, is been scuttled, basically. Right? Um, they're working on, they, they, was it working on Horror of the Orient. Oh, I, I, oh. I don't know that anything game. about Eleanor. I didn't oh play God. it. Yeah, remember? I totally forgot about that game. So Rockstar technically didn't make Eleanor. I think they just published. Oh, that's and funny. maybe they chipped in talent and stuff. But Team Bondi in Australia, oh. they were the leads on that. And they made Eleanor. Oh, okay, I guess. Nope. Team Bondi was liquefied. Oh, liquidated. Dear. It is, I think Horror of the Orient is a, a dream that will never live. Oh, no. Lawrence, we should kickstart it. We should, yeah. <laughs> well, so Rockstar still has the, the IP, though. So yeah. um, I think they've done this, yeah, with Max Payne. They, they published uh, one and two that were made by Remedy, and then they made three. So it's still conceivable that they could make an internal L.A. They get the franchise, yeah. Oh, man. Um, and that happened with a couple of, a couple of different games. Lawrence, um, as our resident whore of the Orient. Yes. I feel like this. you need to take Soon. this on. <laughs> I actually, uh, so Ellie Noir, the only two Rockstar games I haven't finished, and this is going all the way back to like fucking State of Emergency and Beater Raider and Manhunt. Actually, wait, I never finished Manhunt 2. But I didn't finish Bully or I haven't even started Ellie Noir. Um, and to me, I was like, I have to play all the Rockstar games in order. And at the time, I think I hadn't finished Red Dead, so I hadn't started Ellie oh. Noir. Although I could now. I just heard L.A. Noir was a joke. It's like you're knocking coffee cups yeah, no, over. I just, I just heard it was a joke. So, like, okay. a friend of mine played it, and he was a big fan of Rockstar Games, and he was just like, eh, it's kind of stupid. And I, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm going to stay away from it. Like, Red Dead was the one that my, basically my, there was a period of time where I used to live with this guy who would just, all he would do was play video games, and it was awesome. Because I used to sit there and watch him play everything. Uh, I mean, he played through, all the way through Rage. I don't oh, know if, man. like, and I couldn't believe that he played... 30 or 40 hours of rage, but he played all the way through Red Dead. And so I got to basically watch the whole video game start to finish. Um, and I was just blown away. I was so happy that I wasn't playing it because I didn't like, I was so lazy after work that I just yeah. didn't even want to pick up a controller. So it was great. It was just like watching a television show. Um, and Red Dead, I was constantly impressed uh, about how, I guess, in depth the campaign was and uh, just how visceral and gritty the game looked and felt from the weapons to the characters to, the, to everything else. And it always struck me as a really good classic Western that um, is even better than, like, you know, like the older, basically the older Westerns that yeah. were, were sort of like the spaghetti Westerns that were, like, a little polished and stuff like that. This felt more dirty and gritty, like the actual Wild West. Um, so I feel like I have to play Red Dead Redemption 2 when that comes out at least a little bit. Because uh, I don't have anybody to play it for me. <laughs> just hire someone I to like be Matt at your it. house by the time you get oh, home. Matt, Matt Peak, that's yeah. a good idea. Get him oh. on it. Yeah, I have to convince him though. I have to be like, all right, like put a put a brownie next to him and be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> eat this and I'll play this. <laughs> 
So. And I'll just spend the entire time staring at the horizon. <laughs> um, well, if you're if you're dog tired after a day of work, you should uh, recuperate on a Casper mattress with sponsoring this podcast. Uh, so Casper is some space age tech. Combines latex and memory foam for the squishiest, softest bounce you've ever felt in a mattress. Uh, they sent one to me because I'm a, I'm a, I guess I'm a podcast lord and I get everything. <laughs> uh, but Pod no, it's lord, amazing. Yeah. Also, Matt, Matt got one too. Um, and he's been looking as uh, fresh as a spring chicken, which is a phrase people still say. Uh, no, it's as a product, it's wonderful. It's the best mattress I've ever had. Um, and I've, I've bought like, I remember when I graduated college, I was like, I'm going to be an adult. I'm going to go buy a real mattress. And I did, and it was like $1,200 and guess what? It still felt like a bed. Uh, but the Casper thing, I'm I'm down with. It is it is future tech. You need that shit. Uh, and it's got breathable design, uh, which means it's cool to sleep on. I overheat very easily when I sleep, um, which is has caused some issues with uh, with partners of mine. Uh-oh. They'll want to glom up on, and I'll be like, I'm sweating. Get off. <laughs> so I'll just flip them off the bed and then sleep like a baby. Just refusing a woman's attention. Yeah. Like right Don't touch me. <laughs> Only when I want. Uh, Casper also offers free delivery and painless returns with a 100-day period. So you can order a mattress, try it for up to 100 days, and if you don't like it, you can return it. Uh, the reason they offer that is they they uh, they say that just just laying on a mattress in a uh, like a showroom isn't going to tell you how it feels when you sleep on it, which is true. If you spend eight to nine hours on it, it's going to feel a lot different than just plopping down on it for 30 seconds or so. Uh, so that's a great uh, great thing if you just want to try it out. Uh, it's also free shipping and returns to the U.S. and Canada. And Casper mattresses are made in the USA. So you can support the greatest nation on earth by buying mattresses from it. Uh, you can get a Casper mattress, uh, $500 for a twin, $950 for a king size, which is actually really good compared to what mattresses cost new. It's kind of ridiculous how expensive they can be. And you can save an additional $50 towards your mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash dudesoup and entering promo code dudesoup. Uh, once more, that's casper.com slash dudesoup with promo code dudesoup. Terms and conditions apply. Uh, it's a new thing we have to say. So. Yeah, sure, of course. Aww. It makes me feel like mo- I'm reading a more official advertisement. So thank you for your sponsorship, Casper. I highly encourage you guys to look into it because I, I enjoy mine. It's also, uh, it's also Gus brings this up. It's really good for fucking because you can like, every time you like rock back into it. So <laughs> I don't want to think about you or Gus. Depending on the machine gun sex. action of, of your pelvis. <laughs> I mean, every, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. We know this. <laughs> So when you're when you're in there, it also kind of pushes you back a little bit. So if you anchor in and you're going at it, you kind of just tend to slip anchor back. In what is he talking about? But a Casper mattress gives some good like you can dig the hooks in and really really maintain position. Oh god! You know, like every thirty seconds, you got to readjust because you're slipping. Oh boy! Those silk sheets, man. Because <laughs> you're sleeping on silk sheets. <laughs> you said you said that that part about returning the mattress after a hundred day period. That's a lot of and my brain went somewhere else. Yeah, that's on that one. oh. <laughs> There's that too. Yeah, this whole podcast is just you now in my head. Get uh, <laughs> gross. <laughs> one one thing that man, the male privilege is moving Sweet. in with a lady and oh. and being like, why do you have multiple sets of sheets? And she just, you know, <laughs> I I once read that on average women change their sheets 26 times a year. Okay. So Which that's is every, every two weeks. Every two weeks, yeah. And men change them four oh. times a year. No, no, no. That, that was the, uh, the statistical average that I read. Four so no, times a year. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I always change my sheets, okay? <laughs> I, uh, I always, Uh-oh. Whenever, I do, whenever I do weekly laundry, I would always wash my sheets. It's just part yeah. of doing weekly laundry. Oh, you wash them every single week? More or less, yeah. Oh, Sometimes I skip a week if I'm I feel like every busy. two weeks. But more, maybe more so because of him. It was more for me, it was like, I only need one sheet at a time because I take it off, I wash it, and then I put it back on. Oh, yeah. Why would I ever need a backup sheet? 
There's a reason. I mean, there are reasons, but like also, you can change your sheets and then put the dirty ones in the hamper. It's yeah. not a sex reason, damn it. No, not a sex reason. <laughs> What's okay. your reason? It's not mine. That's the thing. As a dude, I got to not work. Oh. It's, it's a it's a female reason. As a lady squirting oh, reason, sometimes you gotta. No, oh, oh, he's talking about squirting. No, well, no. Period. Well, oh no. Oh, there, that's what I was thinking. But, I was thinking, you, know, but I you know, there's some squirts too. I don't have problems with that. Well, I mean, I feel like I feel like if you're kind of in tune with your body, you would probably you're know. Taking testosterone pills. <laughs> no, not that. It just clutters all you know, over here. Renson is like the main reason we gotta oh, like change. He our gets sheets. his period on the sheets. He the periods sheets? all oh. over our sheets. Well, he does like his, you know, his nose because oh, he got his nose problem. And he gets, oh, and I'm like, buddy. oh, okay, but yeah, he gets so, hair everywhere. Sorry, Lauren. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of weird things, uh, in regards to like hygiene stuff that no one talks about. Yeah, this is not going as terribly as it did in the last five minutes. Um, so there's an on. Uh, this is a Jezebel article that has somehow prompted, like, it's it's like kind of a honeypot. Things you didn't know about the people you spend all day with. This question sort of exposes it. So I'm just going to throw this out to you guys. When you're in the shower, yeah. do you explicitly wash your legs? Yes. You do? I do. You don't? I do not wash my legs. Because you think soapy water just running over it is enough, <laughs> don't you? Who, oh, so, so the other day, yeah. I probably shouldn't mention this on the podcast, but James. <laughs> James was talking about how he starts washing from the feet up. No! And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh, so, nobody cleans themselves Well, like that doesn't that. make any sense, because then whatever dirty stuff comes off the top, yeah. it rolls down. Bottom. Yeah, you gotta start from the top and go down. Yeah. I'm definitely a top-down kind of washer. But I also explicitly wash my legs and explicitly wash my feet. So do oh. I. Some people think that just stomping around in the shower is enough. Oh. It's not, at least. No, it's, def- it. it's definitely not. I mean, like, uh, I'll tell you a really gross story. Oh, boy. Um, so I had an ex-girlfriend uh, who, oh. she, and no fault of her own, got a planter's wart. Uh-huh. Uh, and a planter's wart is underneath your, basically it's like only on your feet usually. And they're really big warts that are kind of buried into the calluses of your feet. Uh, but I didn't know that apparently that can be like shared on a shower floor mm. because I got a planter's wart. Oh, no. Um, is yeah. it painful? Uh, oh, planter's wart's the worst. I think uh, I, told, I told you the story uh, yeah, on another remember. podcast about how I got oh, the yes. thing. Yeah. How I took it out myself basically. Versus painful I remember warts. that. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> but I didn't realize that they were contagious. They're ba- like the, the there was a virus that lived on our shower floor that apparently I got. So mm-hmm. that's that's something that you have to be really really careful. And that's why like washing your feet is good, and like I would assume washing your shower a lot is good because that's the, something that you know try, I try to keep up with. I have because of my foot hygiene, I have super thick calluses, so oh, I can sure. I can walk on any. That makes sense. I can walk on any surface. But that doesn't well, mean also, they're clean. You go on hikes a lot and stuff, too, I do. Right? I don't yeah, think that's like, related to you not washing your I, was gonna say, I don't that, think that it's that like dirt clean, though, Elise. I think it's just that's because true. you actually stay <laughs> on your feet a lot. Can I tell you a, a shower pet peeve of mine? Yeah, And I don't please. think you guys face this as men. And maybe the ladies listening and watching, this this will relate to them. And it's going to make me sound disgusting, but fuck it. We got to get go. the views up. That's right. So as a woman, when you have really long hair, if you're washing your hair in the shower, the hair, the, you know, you've loose, you lose like at least 100 yeah. strands of hair a day. Yeah. The loose hair is going to get stuck crack? in your butt crack. Yeah. Do you ever yeah. get that? No, no, I just don't. Even... I, know, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I okay. just know, I know this from experience. Really? Oh. Uh, just from other experiences okay. entirely, yeah. yeah. So wait, at some point, has it become routine in the shower to reach back and pull the wad out? Well, no. Yeah, sometimes you just have to like you have to dig it out. I figured it because, would be, you know. No, you have to dig it out. I mean, like, and also like, uh, somebody said this on the other podcast recently was that when you get that that uh, the handle, wand? the shower handle yeah, yeah. that comes off. Oh yeah. yeah, that's the best thing in the world. Oh yeah, you can get every part of you, you know, like all over down here and underneath. It's great. Oh yeah. man. 
I don't know how I lived before, but it's, it's great. It's amazing. That, yeah, that is good for cleansing the hair. The only thing, I, I, I am an excessive wiper because... <laughs> oh, so am I. I like to you wipe clean. till you see blood. Yeah, yes. basically. Red clouds, sky's red. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> gross. Uh. The, uh... The, the only issue I get from that, and I think it's better than the alternative, is I'll get little, like, balls of toilet paper crammed up in. Dingleberries. Uh, so dingleberries <laughs> are supposed to be shit, though, right? Yeah. Well, no, they're, sh- they're shit and toilet paper. But they're clean berries. It's all, oh, they're clean, clean dingleberries. Yeah. Okay, all right, that's not so bad. Dingleberry, I thought, was just, like, hardened crap that was, like, rolled around in it, hair. It can be, but it's also, like, yeah. hair, crap, and toilet paper. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, but one of the most pleasant experiences, it's, it's one of those, like, I truly am a, a hairless ape, is when I get in the shower, Open up the cheeks, let the water hit, and then you can kind of feel some stuff flush out. Absolutely. Oh, like, <laughs> wow. well, so, so I was, was going to say a thing you don't know about, uh, but us being a, being oh, a man, it's having bros. hair yeah. all, all over your ass and in your ass. That's the worst. It is the worst, and it's one of those things that like I must have gotten when I was like sixteen, and ever since I was sixteen years old, I've had to deal with this. It makes it impossible to wipe. It's there was a I read an article once about some guy who was so hairy he near his it, asshole. He said it was like no no he oh. said it, he said it was like shitting through a sieve, like because basically that's what it is. Like yeah. it's like you got stuff like catching things on the way down, oh. and it's the worst. That's why you got a wet wipe, bro. But you know what? I bet you sweat less between your butt cheeks because you've got that air to circulate uh, through the hair. That's what I mean. That's that's, that's, that's that's a great part of the of, yeah, of no body hair skin, of like underarm hair, oh, because pubic it mops hair. Up the, the sweat. It, and it allows the. It allows air to circulate sort of through those areas do natural that. cooling. So, I mean, you've probably got one of the driest I mean, that's, anuses I don't I've, know. I've ever sat next to. You sit in the leather chair. I've never had the pleasure of working crack. with. <laughs> well, that's probably because I like, because I'm like a, like Lawrence, I'm a clean freak when it comes to that. I hate feeling dirty. I use baby wipes. Like, well, so yeah. I don't, the reason wipes. you don't use baby wipes, I think James and I have talked about flushable. this. Uh, is, well, they're not flushable, number one, but number two, your body will get used to them, and then when you don't have baby wipes, like let's say you're shitting in a restaurant, and then you have to like, you know, wipe yourself with not a, wi- a wet wipe. Yeah. It can, it can, like your your ass can get chapped. Huh? <laughs> you can no, chap you gotta, your hide. You got to MacGyver that shit. You can still figure it out. Either so, there's a couple of techniques. If you're if you're in a one person bathroom, you got access to a sink. Boom. Oh yeah. Oh, that, yeah. Those absolutely. Are yeah. Absolutely. Up a little bit, scrape, scrape it out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, oh, because it'll rip. It's gonna and the quality of the toilet paper. You gotta, you gotta ball up a lot of toilet paper. You gotta, you gotta do like probably 14, 15 squares. Oh, no, come on. Pile it on top. Are you not dry wiping before you wet wipe? Oh, I definitely. I dry, wipe, I dry then wet, then dry. Yes. yes. Yeah, that's you got a sandwich. Yes. That's the way to do it. Yeah, sandwich your butthole. <laughs> that's right. I don't yeah. know. Uh, I flush them wipes. They're flushable. Well, the, the, if they say, if they a lot say, of them aren't. Some, yeah, sometimes they're not, and actually they can clog up the, like, a yeah. sewage, the sewage yeah, tank. Even the ones that say they're flushable, they're clogging up the intake of all the. Um, That's I, why I prefer to use wet toilet paper because yeah. it it's always there. And if you really need to, if you're really hard up, you can take the top off the back of the toilet, dip it in the tank water. Oh my gosh, I've never done that. That's just water. That's the you thing, MacGyver? Though. A little bit. I don't know if I would yeah. ever do that. I mean, no, you're not drinking it, uh, but it's not poop water. Yeah, but you're There's, putting it all over your butt. Maybe hole. if I was like in Guantanamo. Your butt already <laughs> has shit all over it. I don't think putting... <laughs> Water that comes. It might be somebody else's shit. No, not in the tank. Well, the tank water's clean. In the right? bowl, it's pure. yes. The tank comes uh, right out so of the. I I'm also, sure. I also oh. once read that. Who takes a dump in the tank? Uh, uh, that would be terrible. Some people do. But, I, oh, man. I also once read that the water in your toilet bowl is cleaner than the water in your sink because it, it it's reach, like flushing so much, the less bacteria is accumulating. How is that possible? So, like, like if you were to 
pour it into your sink and then drink well, out of it? If you were to, to scientifically the measure the quantity of bacteria in your sink as opposed to your toilet bowl, oh, because oh, the toilet bowl is flushing, it's constantly cleansing uh, itself, cleansing yeah. itself and, and, and dumping ammonia in there four or five times a day. More guess, if you're yeah, Adam you're and right. drinking a gallon of water. Yeah, so I, 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 but you know, yeah, I wouldn't do that, Lawrence. I wouldn't put that toilet my tank butthole water in my butt. is diamond Sp- clean, spick and span, <laughs> sparkling. Yeah, oh, you boy. can hear it if you get close. It's like wind chimes. <laughs> oh, it's, <laughs> oh, it's a wind chime. <laughs> All right, I guess back to video games. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, dang it. So there were a couple of a couple of interesting things in uh, in video game culture recently. Uh, one was uh, Mafia Three launched without a without review access. Oh. Uh, and then, you know, as invariably as when that happens, there's posts from every outlet saying, this is why you won't get our Mass Effect 3 review on time. Oh, yeah. I'm like, all right, get over yourselves. Uh, I um, Most people conflate that with the game is bad, so they don't want anyone to know before it comes out. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know exactly why that is. I wish... I wanted to reach out to actually... Shit. I should reach out to uh, Bethesda, because they launched Doom without a review uh, window. And based on that and everyone dogpiling hate on the beta, everybody thought Doom was going to be horrible, but it was actually really fucking awesome. Yeah. So I'm kind of curious. Uh, I meant to reach out to Pete Hines and see if he could say anything, but uh, didn't have time. So sorry about that. But Mafia 3 came out. It's uh, it's abnormally long, and that's kind of what it's getting dinged for. It doesn't have the best reviews, right. but I'm, I'm having fun with it. A lot of the reviews basically say there's a lot of bullshit that shouldn't be in the game that artificially inflates the length. I'm personally curious if that's more of a negative if you have to play it quickly to get your review up as quickly as possible. Uh, but I guess to me more, the bigger question is, does anyone give a shit about reviews anymore? Because uh, certainly the publishers don't need it, um, it seems like in this case. Or rather, if they know that it's like a 6 out of 10 kind of game, they'll just skip it. Uh, but in an age where in the hours before a game comes out, you can see some schmo on Twitch playing it and just watch candid gameplay... It seems to me that for the average gamer, that's much more informational than a two-and-a-half-page review from some from somebody you don't even know, really, unless you have really followed their writing career and buy into their opinions and know their, their background and all that stuff. So we, I don't know. We asked, this question, we asked this question like once it comes every up pretty three often, or four yeah. months, and I still think reviews are yes, they are useful. Watch this. This is great. Oh, boom. Oh, man, he didn't even know. Um, <laughs> and uh, they're still useful. I think people still use them. I think, I think probably, I don't know what the, well, maybe the majority of people because... One thing that, and it's funny, Adam's always hated scores. He's always yeah. hated scores. For, they're like, I yeah. hate review scores. And for me, I love them because they quantify. So I, you can go to CNET or you can go to any other website, Polygon, mm. and be like, I don't need to read the review. Scroll down to 8 out of 10. Got it. Understand. Um, and it's the easiest way to not read a review but know what the outlet thought. Uh, and that's why I like those sorts, of, those sorts of scores. And I think I would probably say that a vast majority of people that aren't so enmeshed in video games like that because they can just go to a website and be like, what does, you know, GameSpot think about? Okay, got it. Uh, I understand. So I think that they're still valid, but what you said is true, which is more people now are looking at Twitch, looking at YouTube, looking at the gameplay and being like, it's just, okay, this is, the, this is what it looks like. Do I like this or do I not like this? So. Yeah, I guess my only problem with scores is always the... the- when people look at like a seven and they go, oh, that's a bad game. It's a oh, seven. Yeah. Oh it's yeah, like, no, totally. That's not necessarily a bad score. It's just like it's a it's a good game. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. I don't always know whether the five point scale or the ten point scale is Absolutely. better. Um, I really really like just being able to look at, on Steam and see like mm. positive, mixed, negative. How many reviews? Like I don't necessarily yeah. go and I look at user reviews. Sometimes user reviews on Steam 
are more uh, like valuable to me than a inf- like a bloated sure. uh, you know website review. Just somebody saying like basically why they liked the game, why yeah. they didn't like it. In layman's terms, they're not trying to jazz up their language or do anything like special to it. Some of them are um, phenomenally well educated. They are. I'll click on these like weird indie reviews, and somebody will be referencing Flash games from two thousand eight. Yeah. And it's like all actually contextual and informative. I'm like, gosh, this you're super into this, and you're not doing it as a job. You just did this just because you like these games. That's cool. No, and they might be a more valuable source because it's like clear that they are playing so much, mm-hmm. and you know they they're taking the time to make a Steam review. Well, and it has their hours played and whether yeah. or not they like whether or not they bought it right there, which yeah. is not something that's on reviews. That's super useful. Yeah. Uh, although I think it was just you reading another Steam reviews where like. Some dude had played like 160 hours of a game, and he's like, "This game sucks." <laughs> and then you're like, "160 know. hours? Like, there's no way he thought that game sucked." Yeah, I like, forget what game it was, but we were looking at them, and all the reviews were like 200 hours, 140. Yeah. <laughs> we're like, "I'm tired of this." And you're like, "Well, yeah, no shit, you are. You played 200 hours of it." And then, well, but but you can factor that in. It's like, well, you bought it for eight dollars, and you played it for 200 hours. <laughs> I know. I mean, it doesn't seem that bad if you could get. Maybe they just had nothing to do. Well, okay, there's a, there's another trend that I wanted you guys to weigh in on. Um, paid early access. So this is a new thing that's kind of happening. Uh, Forza Horizon 3 had a thing where if you bought the $100 Ultimate Edition, you could play it the Friday before release. Uh, Battlefield 1 has the early access through EA access, which is a lot more affordable. But even still, it's just kind of you can play the first three uh, single-player missions, I think. Uh, yeah. I think the same thing happened with Battlefield 4. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. What do you get? So... It's, it's more about, like, the, the sorts of tools and options that are available to the consumer. Personally, I think if PR has done their job so well that you're willing to pay over market price to play a game early, that's kind of on you. Um, I th- there is kind of this trend in gaming culture that consumers are not responsible for their own actions, specifically when it comes to, like, hype. It's like they blame PR and hype for getting them abnormally worked up for a game, especially when it turns out to not be that. But say, like... Say that Sony did that with No Man's Sky, um, that would be crazy because there there were people that were so amped up about it that they probably would have paid five hundred bucks to get in early. Yeah, like that one dude who bought a, like a I think an auction copy for That's over right. two thousand dollars. Yeah, um, that dude was super measured about it. Surprisingly, but man, could you imagine if they did early access for a game that ended up being bad? So you would have people paying hundred dollars twice retail to jump in three days early. And then they would have a good two-day window to warn everyone on the internet to stay as far away as possible. I don't know. It seems like it's the sort of thing they can only do with a game they know is good. Mm. Uh, And in that case, that almost becomes like a a show of faith from a publisher. Like, if they're going to give it away early access, you know it's got to be good because they know word of mouth would catch up to it if it weren't. Uh, I'm just kind of thinking through it here. I don't know if you... Uh, the did Destiny, Destiny have an early access thing? Yeah, if you pre-order the game, you got access to the alpha or the beta, or whatever. Oh, well, that happens. Oh, yeah. that happens a lot of games. Yeah, that just happened for. Call, was that Call of Duty? You got um, Infinite Warfare. I thought there was another I mean, Like I thought Battlefield. Yeah, yeah. Beta access is increasingly becoming the yeah. uh, the carrot that they dingle in front of you to get pre-orders. But that's free. Um, pre-orders are not necessarily depending on how you do it. Because Destiny didn't save any of your progress, though. Yeah. Well, sorry. What I mean is. Uh, it's free in the sense that you bought the game and they just give you beta access for free. Oh, I see. But like if you pay a over over market price to get into a game early, I feel like that that's, in my opinion, that's like a almost like a win-win. For the most part, you're going to get, even if somebody doesn't like it, they go on and like complain on Reddit, then yes, they'll, we'll get the Reddit soldiers, but for the <laughs> most part, you just made an extra 30, 40 bucks or whatever on this, on a bunch of people that paid paid into it. I I don't know. I don't, I don't see much of a downside to that for publishers. Um, 
unless some dude on Reddit can rally millions of people not to buy the game. Mm. I don't know if that's a thing that, that, that somebody can do on Reddit. I think it takes months and months and months and a lot of, a, a lot, you know, like a, a lot of snowballing to get to that point with Reddit. But um, I, I, I don't know. I, I think that, that seems like an okay strategy. Plus, hell, if you paid an extra 40 bucks, that was your choice. Yeah. yeah. You, pay, you paid the money. So, I mean, like, you can't get upset. And like the guy with No Man's Sky, you can't get upset for buying, for spending a ton of money on this one game. You did it. Like, I feel like it's kind of cut and dry. Do you know how much EA Early Access costs? Is it like five bucks a month or something? It was something? like five or ten bucks a month. Yeah, it's like super cheap. It's really cheap, yeah. And then you get kind of like two hours of the game, I think. Well, it, it, and you get it. I mean, this is, not, this is not an ad for EA Access, but... No. It comes with a lot of other stuff. There are there are a lot of games that kind of get sunsetted into the free program yeah. on the access. Yep. And it's kind of becoming I mean, we speculated about this for a long time that publishers would become service providers, so much like HBO has their roster of shows that they then charge a premium to get into. It's kind of what EA is doing. Um, if you pay directly to EA, not only do you get to play the latest releases early, provided you also buy those. But then after a year or two, those get rolled over into the subscription plan. Mm-hmm. So I think Dragon Age Inquisition's in that now. Need for Speed, I think, got added to it recently. So it's one of those, I mean, not only is it kind of a, uh, a good service if you like getting things early, but if you're a budget-conscious gamer, that can be the sort of thing where, okay, I love video games. Every, every month I'm going to allocate $10 to buy a subscription to EA and then Ubisoft. And that way I know that I can play all the Assassin's Creeds that are two years older or more. I can play all the EA games that are older uh, I don't know. It's it's a really interesting... I, I'm fascinated by all the different ways game companies are finding to offer gaming experiences to consumers at different price points well, and at different times. To, it's not exactly the same because it's not necessarily early access except for the yeah, titles that are under well, it's that. Five bucks. Wow. But uh, Steam, like I have returned a game on Steam that I purchased and played less than two hours of and thought this is not the game that I thought it was going to be. And so I requested a refund and it was fine. Um, I feel like that's sort of another option as opposed to if you, if you can wait and you uh, can wait until release, like steam has that policy in place. So you don't, you don't need to be the no man's sky early adopter. You can be like the person that gets it on steam and then returns it. But yeah, no, that's, that's totally, I mean, I, again, I think that like if you're willing to pay the extra 20 bucks or whatever to get it five days early. I mean, if you want to do it, then do it. It's your money. You know, like, hell, who, you, you might, yeah, you might really, end, you know, end up not liking the game, but that happens with a lot of purchases, not just video games. So, I mean, that, you know, there's a lot of things I that know, I bought. That's kind of life, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, it's up to you to do the market or to do the research. And if there is no research about it and you've spent $40 to buy it early, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, that's totally on you. So well, one thing you won't be disappointed in, quality snacks from NatureBox. <laughs> mm. uh, so NatureBox makes snacks that uh, taste great and are better for you. Uh, they, use, they use whole, all-natural ingredients, no, no uh, corn syrup, none of that shit. Uh, no artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners. So you can feel great about snacking. It's the sort of thing where you just get dried fruit in a bag or more complicated things. Uh, and here's, here's the big service they want to tell you guys about, and that's also why they're sponsoring this podcast, is they now have something called NatureBox Club. And this is a, uh, it's kind of, it, there is a monthly membership fee of five bucks to get in the club. But once you order anything, that, f- that fee is then paid against what you order. So essentially, like, you pay $5 in every month. That accrues and basically you have credit. And then a la carte, you can order whatever snacks you want whenever you want. So the old, the old situation was you would put in your snacks and every month they'd ship you a box. Uh, they listened to their customers. They heard complaints of, like, 
well, that's not really how I consume snacks. I did, and if I get a if I get kind of a box full of snacks I don't want in a given month, I have to wait a whole month to get new stuff. Yeah. So now they have this. You can just jump on, order whatever you want, um, and, and uh, that that membership will then count against whatever orders you have. So it's just a, I guess like kind of a down payment to get to get in the program, yeah. and then once you order once you order snacks, it all comes off. So uh, it's it's a pretty cool idea. Um, I also kind of think about it. I know the way I would work is I'd sign up for it. I'd forget about it for four months and I'd be like, oh, I have $20 credit sitting there. I'll just, and I know it does, it's not quite this, but I'd be like, oh, I got some free snacks coming. And I just go and order them and they yeah. come. So uh, so you go to naturebox.com. You can browse their snack catalog, choose what snacks you want, and they'll deliver them right to you. It's pretty simple. A lot more simple than their previous setup, which was pick snacks and then it might make it in a box, it might not. Wow. Uh, they also give you the freedom to order as much as you like, as often as you like, with no minimum purchase required. <laughs> Uh, and you can get 50% off your first order when you go to natureboxclub.com slash dudesoup. Once more, that's nature, natureboxclub.com slash dudesoup for 50% off your first order. Uh, that's actually a really good deal. Yeah. I'm going to go buy a lot of yeah, I... cranberry bliss blams or, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> fuzzy Wumples. Yeah. Oh, I love Fuzzy Wumples. <laughs> we used to be sponsored by Naturebox a lot. And... Uh, Used to used to do a little game show called Real Real Snack Fake Snack. Yeah, I love based did that. on their awesome <laughs> awesome snack names. Uh, might bring it back if Nature Nature Box decides to sponsor us again. And that's do. entirely dependent on how many people go to the go to the website and order snacks. So yeah. if you want to hear us talk about uh, strawberry chocolate whizwams, make sure to <laughs> yeah, make sure to go it. hit up that sponsorship. So thank you, Nature Box. Once more, that's NatureBoxClub.com/slash/dude-soup. That's fifty percent off your entire order. Uh, so thank you, Nature Box. And uh, oh, that reminds me, I need to need to fill out a little form so we can get more of those. Oh, free ones? Yeah, I love whenever Nature Box snacks come in. Yeah, don't let Jacob get a hold of them. Yeah, it's just Jacob ate them all <laughs> last time, or like he had his own. I don't know. He's a hungry boy. Regardless, he was he was eating all that Nature Box stuff, and I wanted some. <laughs> he made me hungry. Yeah, it make it uh, <laughs> it gets it gets Lord of the Flies pretty quick when Nature Box drops in. Um, oh, and, and speaking of spe- speaking of small digestible things, uh, NPD Group just put out a uh, a study showing that twenty eight percent of the U.S. population of men and women ages thirteen to fifty four have purchased extra video game content in the past three months. Wow. So that's DLC. 28%. Uh, NPD Group clarified the Games Beat, which is what I'm reading this from, that its research is targeted towards console and PC games, so that does not factor in mobile. Hmm. And I can only imagine that the... Wow. It actually might be a little higher then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, James Marvel Puzzle Quest. Yeah. (laughs) James and Adam. Adam. Adam's wailing it. (laughs) James told me a really funny story. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to... That's okay. Just one one more more thing to add in. Uh, VentureBeat concludes saying, despite how much negativity vocal gamers aim towards DLC and microtransactions, the NPD group notes that 77% who purchase additional content claim they like having the ability to pay to extend their enjoyment of a game. Of course. And to close with a less surprising stat, over half those who buy DLC said they would purchase more if prices were cheaper. Yeah. Um, but this kind of flies in the face of, I think, what is considered the, the game's narrative that, that core gamers kind of endlessly repeat to themselves is that everyone hates DLC. Stop, like, parceling out my game. Um, the way that I always see it is, and this this might be a little too permissive, uh, it sucks when it's obvious that a game's design is bent around pushing you to buy stuff. But I think more often than not, the mere, the mere existence of DLC keeps games at a $60 price point. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say 60 is too much, and it's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But it's also been that for 10 years at this point, and games have only gotten bigger and better. I mean, look at this. This is going to be $60. Yeah. Uh, whereas games launched at that 10 years ago with half the content, half the visual fidelity, and the dead man flying. Yeah, that was great. That's <laughs> that was <I> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I mean, sure, people point to stuff like Battlefront saying this has gone too far. And too, you know, that's, that's not an unreasonable point. 
But man, um, it's it's stuff like the people who are willing to pay $100 to play Forza Horizon 3 three days early. That's the stuff that keeps games at $60. Yep. And, and yes, all the ludicrous loot box stuff and opening up this to get a camo thing. And, and even Infinite Warfare is, is using that system. The, and like Halo has rec packs. That stuff, the way I see it, could be wrong about this, but I swear everything that I've seen kind of supports that. That stuff is in there so $60 can stay. Um, and $60 is only staying because everything else is still $60. I'm kind of surprised Activision hasn't been the one to release Call of Duty at 70. I actually wait. The the pack that has Modern Warfare 4 remastered. That's got to be 70, right? That's I thought that was 80 actually. Maybe 80. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that would make more sense. You're paying you know 60 bucks for a game and 20 dollars for the remaster. I can tell Activision's been trying to because they were the first to push Call of Duty to 60 on PC for a long time. Uh, AAA was 50 on PC. That oh, was yeah. just the expectation. Activision bumped it to 60 with I think Modern Warfare 2. It's been 60 ever since. So. The market's kind of waiting for the first mover to go to 70 or 80 for AAA retail. Well, I mean, I've been paying for, like, the pre-orders for Battlefront. I bought, like, the Deluxe Edition or whatever. And, it came, and as far as I could see, it came with nothing extra other than, like, a few extra weapons. Uh, and that was 70. Mm. So, and I kind of did it without batting an eye. Batting an eye, I was just like, oh, whatever, fine. And I'm pretty sure that you can, there is a 70 and $80 version of this game as well. Huh. Uh, speaking of which, it's, it's over. Yeah. But, um yeah, I, I think you're right, Lawrence. I think that's coming up very, very soon. They're going to start yeah. bumping it up to 70 and 80. Legacy Edition is $80. There you go, yeah. And, yeah, you, you can parcel that out in your head and say, well, it's 60 for Infinite Warfare, 20 for Modern Warfare Remastered. But there's a reason they're not selling it separately. And I think it's because they want to they want to establish the perception of a new higher price point for the base product. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I think everybody, everybody that rallies against DLC, like, I just want it out. I think the more interesting question is, are you okay with DLC and all of the all of the related hooks being in a game if it stays 60? Or do you want it out and you're willing to pay 80 for a game? Hmm. Well, I don't know. How, what do you guys feel? Elise? Um, the problem is that I, I am currently like, I always battle mentally with the current price point of games. Hmm. Though I did come from Canada where games are like $80, Canadian dollars. But Canadian so, dollars are lower? Oh, yeah, you're right. They're low. I mean, a, a Canadian dollar is, is worth less than the American dollar. Yeah, this yeah. is us being unfair and only considering the American price point when Australia and yeah. Australia is getting yeah. but All those, those places. I always just think back to like how much like SNES games, N64 games mm. used to cost. And like they were like 80 bucks then. Yeah, yeah, 80 and, to 100. And nobody really, I mean, People batted an eye, but there there's nothing they could do. Yeah, nothing we could do. Now, now there are services like Steam and stuff. I just keep going back to Steam. Mm. I'm like, Steam is be all, end all, everything to me. Well, and, and then it's, um. you raise a good point because if you're like, I don't want to pay seventy dollars in Call of Duty, well then go to Steam and buy whatever you want for five dollars. Yeah. Like there are th- millions of games that Fucking are five dollars. horses. Like, and you know, it's like, everybody's like, well, that's not Call of Duty. Well, yeah, no, I know yeah, that. No shit. That's you're paying a premium. It's like. Do you want a Samsung television or a Vizio television? Well, you have to pay more for a Samsung television. And that's sort of the thing that, like, Shit, you know, like, that's, popping up. that's what these products are. They are. They are They are AAA games. They are, you, you need to pay a premium for them. I'm sorry. It sucks. It really does suck. Uh, and I'm always really grateful to companies that don't make you pay a premium. Like, I, I credit those companies more so than, than most when they're like, oh, it's only 50 bucks or 60 bucks. Then if it's, you know, versus, then it's 80 then I'll be like, okay, cool. That's that's a that's a cool, a large company being cool to me. Are Nintendo new releases still like fifty? They're sixty. They, they're sixty. Yeah, they were fifty for a while, which was kind of weird. Uh, the thing that gets me with Nintendo is they're 
their new releases on 3DS are now 50, I think. Oh, wow. shit. Um, what, which one was it? Uh, I think it was, might have been Shin Megami Tensei. There was a new 3DS game that was $50 at release. And I was like, oh, okay. Wow. So you can get away with it. Um, fuck. Uh, yeah, and Nintendo's kind of an outlier. They, they find a way to maintain the price point of their games. They never, they never hit bargain bin unless they want it to. Like yeah. They re-release it as the Nintendo Selects or whatever. But fuck it, Nintendo's basically obsolete by most modern game standards. Speaking of which, NX sometime ever. Yeah, we'll get that. We'll get the new system pretty soon. I went to the Nintendo World Store in New York. Oh, it was magical. Yeah, (laughs) they had the Nintendo Muppets. The Nuppets. The Nuppets. They're they're called. I guess they're. What did you just call me? (laughs) 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 My joke gets me every time. Okay, they were they were on display and little Shigeru uh, Miyamoto Muppet Nuppet in there. And uh, but not as not as much Zelda merchandise as I had hoped. Ooh. Anyway, we gotta wait for uh, there. Sorry, Lawrence. Oh, Corpse Party is fifty. There are some games that are retail as fifty, but that's Xseed. I guess it's the uh, the dorky Japanese shit. Oh, yeah, sorry, but if it's like the poking through 3ds price points, the triple the triple A titles for oh, yeah. Wii U are sixty or fifty. Oh, I'm yeah, they're sixty. They're sixty. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, all right. Well, okay. Most of the Nintendo stuff is forty. Yeah, but there are a few fifty dollars three DS games. Can I wonder if NX price points will get right up there with like other console triple A's. It's been interesting to see the because you guys were remarking on Steam. There's basically a complete complete breakdown in price points um, because like starting in three sixty generation, the perception was if it's a downloadable game, it's ten or fifteen. If it's retail, it's sixty, and those are the two. You don't get the break out of that. Whereas at the time, Steam was like, yeah, we got games that are thirty, we got games that are five, we have games that are sixty, we have games that are eighty. It was kind of all up and down, and I really liked that breaking the mold of, of the tiers that games are expected to release in. Yep. That's starting to happen a little more on console, too. You're getting new releases on Xbox for 30 bucks and things like that. And I, I imagine NX is going to be even more kind of Wild West in terms of pricing, provided what we've heard about it is accurate, namely that it is a, it is a portable slash desktop <laughs> so weird. touchscreen <laughs> slash buttons type thing. So not only will you get first-party Nintendo I'll stuff, everybody yeah. shakes their head. I'll buy it. <laughs> I know you guys are going to buy it, <laughs> but there's going to be a lot of like three-man dev teams putting mobile ports onto that thing, and those will probably cost a dollar or two. Um, boy, I hope it gets delivered in a way better than Nintendo Store, because that's cl- clumsy, slow, and weird. Whereas a phone, it's just tap, tap, and then you're already installing it. So that whole like time to purchase, time to download thing, Nintendo's going to have to really look that over. <laughs> I imagine they're smart people; they're going to figure this stuff out, but. Man, they, they just like pretending like the rest of the internet isn't there. Yeah, I mean, they, that's the way they've operated for 50 mm, that's years. all they've ever They done. can do whatever they want. Um, at least I want to hear your funny story. Oh, yeah. You, you said you... Oh, uh, I shouldn't tell it, but I will. But uh, James, <laughs> just he plays Marvel Puzzle Quest. Of course. And Adam plays Marvel Puzzle Quest. So does Lawrence. Well. You yeah. guys are all in the same alliance, I mm-hmm. believe. Yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. And I, you'll know it better than I will, but I believe that when someone spends uh, oh, a monetary yeah. amount in your game, it, yes. it it influences the success of all the other players, and the, correct? And they all get a little goody yeah. when you do it, yeah. So James got something, and I guess he was talking to Adam and said, oh, can't believe some chump like spent this much <laughs> doing this. And yeah. Adam was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Can't believe some, you know, and it was it was Adam. Oh, so was, well, the context of that is <laughs> not beyond him. <laughs> the context of that is James. James is pretty deep into the the, the Marvel Puzzle Quest community, and community. The uh, the developers had announced that they were going to do an anniversary sale coming up. Oh yeah. Oh, that's right. So so James was like, "All right, here we go. Going to wait for that sale to kick in. Then I'm going to buy me some some stuff, and then like two days before the sale was supposed to start." 
this notification came up on his Alliance feed that somebody had purchased like the whale pack, which is like a $100 thing. And we all got a lot of shit, like a lot of good stuff, because you're like, oh, some idiot bought a lot of stuff. Two days before the anniversary. And James was like, in the office, he's like, I got this notification. Somebody in our alliance bought this big thing before it all went on sale. What an idiot. And Adam was just there. Oh, no. (laughs) But he made it better, because when the sale went on, he did it again. So he bought the same thing twice. Adam did? Yeah. Yeah, a waste of money. We, we, like, we, we, we're calling Adam a whale, and he doesn't like it. But well, he, he, I think he embraces it. I, I was, okay, more, he does. Okay, good. All right. It's more the negativity that he kind of, he kind of galls against. Because I, I kind of feel the same way. I, I'm there. There is this weird idea, and and I, I hate to talk so abstractly about gamer culture because somebody's already offended, telling me how full of shit I am. <laughs> but people kind of take pride in not spending money on free-to-play games. Yeah. Uh, because I think they consider that kind of fueling the downfall of games. Well, and they think they're gaming the system, too. Yeah, like yeah, they can beat it without spending not. money. James um, yeah, no, and and I agree with that. I think, <laughs> I think, I think to a degree, playing a free-to-play without spending money is playing on hard mode. Uh, but at the same time, they need money. Like, they make games, right? And, yeah, right, right. Uh, and I don't think it's it's a negative or makes you less of a player to spend money on something you enjoy. No, it's not. That's a, all Adam. It's not a negative. I just think it's funny. It's yeah, really funny. Yeah, I, I think it's funny, too. I also think it's funny just how, like, uh, accepting Adam is of it. and yeah, he and came around real quick. And, you know, no, no, not even in that. Like, but when we tease him, he just kind of is oh, he like, t- oh, yeah, okay. of course. That's like, what he's yeah. defending. It's, in, it's endearing. Um, the, only, the only possible response is... But my Psylocke needed her psychic blade upgraded. That's one of my favorite things. Is I, like I've said before, we need to have Adam. I need to have just basically a podcast of Adam describing Marvel Puzzle Quest for an hour because it's great. Because he'll describe the stories and he'll describe yeah. like what he had to do to get a, an item and what he had to do. And it's and it's like listening to a five year old and he knows he's doing it. That's yeah. what's so funny about it. Well, James so. always does this thing where I guess he gets a like I don't know anything about Marvel Puzzle Neither Quest. Neither do I. And I choose to keep it that way. But he gets some a card that is like a special reward. Yep. And he'll have me tap on it. She's laid a luck. Oh, right, yeah, and, for luck, yeah. And then he'll look at it and he'll go, hmm. And I'm like, is that bad? And he's like, no, that's good. That's a great card. Yeah, no, I, I'm I was like, why did you act like that? Either. Yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Why did you cares? react like that? Who cares? I wanted, wanted you to second guess yourself for a little bit. <laughs> oh, man. Well, guys, I think we're coming up on time. All right. Oh, no. uh, thank you. Thank you, all listeners and live viewers, for joining in. Uh, we had a nice, stimulating, disgusting conversation today. <laughs> Uh, stay tuned for DLC. The, about Dingleberries. <laughs> yeah. DLC. Dingle. Dingle. Con, no, never mind. I was trying to see if DLC could match up with Dingleberries or anything. Uh, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. If you're listening on the podcast, thank you for doing that. Um, in the effort to keep this show going and kind of getting more popular, make a small request. If you enjoy it, recommend it to a friend. See if they like it too. Uh, maybe leave us a little rating on iTunes or whatever service you're using. If this show matched your, matched your hopes and expectations, we, uh, we can only hope that you'll come back next week. Join us for a new discussion about games, dingleberries, and what have you. Um, if you're watching live, stay tuned for the Dude Soup post show. That's coming up after this. That's where we look at some fan art, talk to the audience. You guys can submit questions live. Um, and if you're watching on the, the YouTube video or maybe watching on the podcast, if you're curious about the post show, that's on the Rooster Teeth website. If you go to fun.house, which is a really awesome URL, yeah. uh, go to the shows drop down, Dude Soup post shows in there. It is for first members only, though, so just be aware of that. You'll have to. Uh, I have to sign up, but that's what that's what keeps the, the lights on in here. It's first membership. So thanks for everybody who did that. And if you're curious about it, maybe check it out. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll be back next week. And if you're watching live again, stay tuned for the post show. We'll be right back.